told Brother Hughes I was going to already steal some of his stuff, so there's more. Can we, can we put that on an invitation card? There's more. He said the, this year God impressed upon him a year of multiplying, and that's more. That's not less. That's more. I'm going to go into this year understanding who I am in Christ. Not, not who somebody else says I am, but who God says I am. I'm going to learn how to sit in heavenly places with Christ this year and not worry about that other stuff. I'm going to learn how to, how to walk in righteousness, walk in the light, Brother Hughes. I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to walk in the light. And uh, God's going to lead me. He's going to lead my family. He's going to do the same for you. It's a choice that you make. And I, I choose to walk in the light and let God help me this year and not worry about all the other stuff. I'm going to get my priorities right. Yes, Brother Stevens, because we're not going to stumble and fall, not if we're walking in the light. We're going to learn how to stand. When the enemy comes against us, we're just going to stand. We're just going to stand, and then we're going to start walking again. And then we're going to, we're going to expect more, because there is more. God has more for everyone in this house today. There's not going to be less. There's going to be more. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Brother Isaac, if you'll take up an offering and tithes today, we're going to have good church today. Let's start off this year correctly. That's enjoying living for God. That's enjoying worshiping God. He deserves our glory today. There's nobody like him. I lean on you, Lord. I lean on you, Lord.
Who you 
worship just a little longer. Thank you, Jesus. So I love you. Well, may be seated. Sister Debbie's going to sing today. And uh, so thankful to be in church today. We was out last week and missed church and uh, missed missed church and uh, appreciate God and what He's done and me, my, me and my family. And you know, I raise them little pigs sometimes out there. And if I go out there every day, they don't look like they're gaining any weight. But if you stay away for a little bit, realize they're getting fat well that's how God deals with us and works on us and yes. we get around each other all the time you're like well you know John ain't doing no better than he was last year <laughs> but God's still working on me yes, like it was said Thank in Sunday you. school this Thank morning you. it's not really your beginning not even really your present it's the end and he's got big plans and he's going to make something happen in each one of our lives today we just give him the chance keep going yes. his way yes Praise the Lord. God bless Sister Debbie. Worship with her when she sings.
that beautiful song. <clears throat> when I take time to think about how good our God is to me, it makes it a lot easier to live for God. Amen. Well, folks, we are in the halfway point of having the Hughes with us. We are so thankful uh, that they, well, that they have put themselves in a position where they are freer to be able to minister in our churches, uh, having no longer pastoring in Ponca City. And um, I know they've had an exciting life. They've done missions work. They're teaching the GAT system, which is the um, um, missionaries training program. And um, they, Brother Hughes told me they are getting ready to do another large step here in another six weeks or so. But I am so delighted that they are with us. And um, there's always just a certain spirit about the Hughes that Elaine and I connected with. Number one, they were kind to us. That, that makes it easier when ministry is kind to you. Uh, not everyone, I'm not saying they hate your guts. I'm just saying they don't have anything to do with you. <clears throat> and um, the Hughes took time with us. I appreciate that so much. And then I also appreciate uh, there's seemingly some desire to see things in the mission field, which I could relate to here several years ago. And um, I may sneak over there again once or twice, but it won't be uh, my endeavor uh, to, to make that a focus but I, I hope to one day to be able to go back to the Bible school that we helped kind of kick off in Slovakia and Mikulosov and, um, and then <clears throat> some things that were done in Serbia, which were an uh, incredible group of people there, They're precious folks. But we are delighted that the Hughes are with us. And um, I said all that to let you know how personable they are, that they are more than just a, a good message, but they really are living this gospel there. They are investing in people. They have one of the worst jobs in the whole district. Uh, Brother Hughes takes care of all the money. Um, and and you, that may not make sense, just counting money, but they have so many different, uh, different ways that they have to account for money through all these different savings and CDs and everything else. And so I, my hat is off to Brother Hughes for doing, knowing how to do all of that and doing it well. But above all else, I appreciate Brother Hughes is going to come with the spirit of investing in us and investing in this church. It has a message from the Lord and could touch our lives, amen, that will help us. And so would you stand with me this morning and um, giving honor to the Hughes family and to the Lord, amen. So thankful for them, and we want him just to come and take his liberty and preach the word of God today. Brother Hughes. Appreciate you. I love you. Well, praise the Lord, church. It's great to be in the house of God on the first Sunday of the year, the new year. And I don't know about you, but I have great anticipation and expectations for 2024. I don't know what kind of 2023 you had personally, but I'm believing that 2024 is going to be far greater than whatever that was. Praise God. Because God is a God of better things. He's a God of greater things. And many times He exceeds our expectations and so we should expect a lot so he could exceed that, right? right? And so I'm just excited about what the new year holds for this church and for each of you that are part of this church family. Amen. And I'm excited and believing that it's a year of multiplication, of God multiplying what we already have, what he's already done, right. 
and that he's going to multiply the people in this room so that a year from now, on the first Sunday of 2025, if the Lord should tarry, there's going to be a lot more smiling faces in this room, praising Jesus, magnifying him, and representing him in this area of Oklahoma. You can be seated. It is such a great privilege of mine and my wife to be with you all today. I'm going to ask her to come, and she's going to greet you in just a moment. Uh, we are honored to be with you and, of course, to see familiar faces, some of you who've known me most of my life, and so um, I hope you'll forgive me for whatever I was then as a, as a child, um, but God has been so good to us, and one of the things He's blessed us with is with great friends, such as your pastor and your first lady, and they are very dear people to us, and for I don't know how many years now, we would get together at various places and talk about our passion for the kingdom and our love for what God is doing globally as well, and would share our stories and would encourage one another, and, and we would really count those as great times of treasure to treasure that fellowship with your pastor and first lady. And I know you know they are great people. They're awesome people who really love Jesus and really love people, and they really love you, and they have a great heart for growth, growing the kingdom, and seeing exactly what God wants to do. And so we're just honored and privileged to be here today, and uh, looking forward to what God's going to do in the next few moments. I want Sister Val to come and greet you right now. Good morning. How is everyone? <clears throat> well, it's good to be in section one. I actually grew up in this section. I grew up on the other side over by Coweta, Wagner, but we would come here as a um, as a section. And I was telling Sister um, Elaine this morning, Sister Erickson, that um, in my mind, this inside this church looks looked different in my mind than it does in real life as a kid. Um, I, I don't know how that's possible. I mean, the the ceiling's the same. Everything's the same. But in my, in my child mind, inside of this church looks different. Do you have times like that when you go back and look at something and you think, when I was a kid, it looked like this is what I thought it looked like. And then you see it as an adult and you think, it's not the same place, but I know it is. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so it's, it's fun to be back here and to see all of you and just praising the Lord together, right? Yeah, I appreciated the worship this morning. The worship was beautiful all the musicians, and um, really, really um, bless me, the worship this morning. And there's several things that, as we've traveled, that um, I don't know if I've learned it because I've traveled or just one of those things that I've always thought about was um, I was just in Germany in December, and I actually went by myself um, not because of any reason, this should be because it, it was a trip for me. Um, long story, I can tell it to you later. But I went by myself to work with the sledges there in Berlin. And I'm um, <clears throat> doing a lot of training with some individual people there. And as I was traveling, there's something that I've, I've just come to realize. And that is, um, if I'm in Serbia, if I'm in Germany, doesn't matter where I'm at, if I smile at people, that, that's like a universal language, yeah. right? And I can smile at people, 
and, you know, kind of nod my head and, you know, it's like we're having this conversation without even talking, even though I can't speak any of their languages. I can only speak English, and some days I'm not even very good at that. <clears throat> but I feel like the Lord has a lot to say about this in the Word also, that the, we're to have the joy of the Lord on our countenance. Yeah. And there's a lot that you could say, you know, the difference between joy and happiness and all that. But I really think that joy and gratitude are connected in a, in a great way. And just at the beginning of the year, I just want to give you a little challenge here. One thing that I work on in my prayer notebook, I try to do it every day. And last year I did two, and this year I'm increasing to five. And that's to find five things that I'm grateful for every day. And usually if, if you're having to write those down, it kind of changes your perspective because you're always going through your day trying to think, okay, I, I, I'm going to be writing this list or I write it in the morning, you know, and I'm thinking about it for the next day. But I, I really feel like that one of our greatest tools, and I know that my husband gave you a great tool this morning during Sunday school for reaching people um, with this gospel, but I think another really easy tool is just the joy of the Lord and just to smile, and just to be happy as you go about your day, because I know of so many people, and it, I want to say, babe, did you, did you drink pickle juice this morning for breakfast? Was your milk sour in your cereal? I mean, what, what is it? Um, you know, hasn't the Lord done at least one good thing for you that you could smile about? <clears throat> because I don't know about you, but, um, Especially in Europe, when we're on the trains, um, you know, everywhere we go, we're on public transit, which I love, but people are just, and, you know, they don't like Americans to talk loud, and they especially don't like Americans to make con eye contact, so, you know, I just love, you know, when they look at me and I go, and they're like, but I want them to know that I, I am a joyful person, and that there's something about that, but there's so many unhappy people, and I feel like that every day it's, it's kind of my, my, um, my combat, you know, my gear, you know, just to smile at people, and sometimes they're just like, you know, <laughs> stop smiling, but you should try it, you know, because I think that the more you have joy and the more you smile, um, the more you will smile because only 13% of Americans consider themselves to even be happy. 13%. And if that's all Americans, then that's a church too, right? Which is really scary. I'll leave that one right there. Um, and I just think that there's, there's so many things to be said. Um, someone said that humor banishes the tightness and the severity necessary for anger. And if mirth, happiness, joyfulness is experienced, then rage is impossible. And if you think about that, you know, we, we can banish um, all kinds of things at our workplace and our families um, just by smiling, just by having a, a genuine smile. And there's an important verse, Psalm 51, 12 through 13, has this important thing to say. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. And then verse 13 says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to me, <clears throat> I mean to you, through me. 
But what has to happen first? I am restored to the joy of my salvation first. And if I'm restored to the joy of my salvation first, then people are going to be automatically drawn to me to figure out who this Savior is, right? So I, I leave you with this. So the opposite of joy is not sadness. The opposite of joy is just ungratefulness. And so as we begin this new year, just learn to be grateful for a lot of things. You know, even if you have a, a plain oatmeal, vanilla kind of day, still look for the things that you could be grateful for because I think that when you realize that you've got a lot of things to be grateful for, then you will realize that you're much more joyful. And the Bible, of course, is filled with all kinds of things like, you know, um, I was just thinking about it over there and it just left my head. But, you know, magnify the Lord with me. And and what are those songs that we, we sing a lot? Like um, when I think about the goodness of Jesus, you know, we I was somewhere the other day and we were singing it and everyone was like this. When I think about the goodness of Jesus, I was looking around like, well, <laughs> I want to stop and say, OK, time, time out, time out, time out. Woohoo. Everybody stop right here. Anyway, just my little challenge, and so happy to be here in Chelsea, um, love all of you, we love the Ericsons so much, and just um, looking forward to what the Lord's going to do today. So practice your smile as Brother Hughes comes back. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength, right? Amen. Amen. Well, something I'm really grateful for, and I'll, I'll just share this before we read our text, because and hope it will be an encouragement to you. Um, God did something really special for me this past summer, just a few months ago, as a matter of fact. And um, as Val was saying, we are traveling a lot globally to do training in other countries, to train missionaries and people in the Bible schools there in the other countries. And so we were planning to go to Finland and Estonia in August, right after camp meeting, a couple weeks after that. And so we had raised part of the budget that we needed for that trip, and of course, all the trips are self-funded. Everybody say self-funded. Self-funded. And so, and of course, Brother and Sister Erickson, they know this quite well. And, um, and so that's kind of a challenge at times. And so we had raised part of it. We had purchased our plane tickets. And it was just like the week before camp meeting. And uh, we had already put the hotel on our personal credit card. And our credit card bill, you, you probably don't know anything about credit cards, so I'll just teach you. Um, the bill was due in a couple of weeks. And so the, the hotel was on it for this two weeks of trips. And so uh, we needed about $2,500. And so we have a young lady that does social media for us and really believes in us and is really good at promoting us because we don't do a very good job of that at all. We don't like doing that. And she does, she loves doing it. So she had put a post on social media that, you know, the Hughes need $2,500 more to fund this trip where they're going to be doing all this different training in these two different countries. And so, so we were excited and just trusting the Lord that he was going to provide. And so a week passes with this post on social media, and we raise $50. Now, $50 is a long way from $2,500. And I'm kind of a math guy. I'm a numbers nerd. And so th this was quite disheartening for me. And it's camp meeting is starting. It's, as uh, Pastor said, it's one of the busiest weeks of the entire year for, for my family. Uh, we're just, it, there's just many, many activities day and night. 
and um, trying to keep all the balls in the air. And basically anything that doesn't happen on the platform at camp meeting, my wife and I are responsible for all the food, all the things that are happening. And, um, and so camp meeting is starting and Jesus and I are having a conversation. And I'm not really sure how you visit with Jesus, but this is kind of how it went down. Uh, Jesus, this is ridiculous. You can do anything. You own the cattle on a thousand hills, all the beasts of the field, and you own the gold in those hills as well. And it would be so simple for you just to take care of this. So, because I'm too busy to even worry about it. Think about those words. Yeah. And so camp meeting starts, and I'm I'm a little irritated by now, frankly, because I felt it was God's will for us to take this trip, and He had provided all the stuff except the money. And again. My credit card bill is due the week after camp meeting. And so, you know, I'm doing the math and counting the days. And so camp meeting starts, and Jesus and I, these are the conversations we're having every day. And Tuesday night comes, and Brother Landon Gore ministers. And at some point during the message, he said what all of us ministers say, and it's true. The easiest thing in the world for Jesus to do is to provide finances for us. That's the simplest thing for him. And so he's saying it, which is just irritating me even more. And I'm on the platform, and um, you, you probably aren't really sure what's happening with me at that moment, but Jesus and I were having another one of these conversations as he's preaching. And in my frustration, I, I wouldn't say it was faith, I said to the Lord, you know what, Lord, it would really be big to me if we raise this money in the next 24 hours. That would be a really strong statement since the last week and a half have generated $50. And so I just had that conversation, and then I plugged back into the message, and all was well. And so service ends, and I walk off the platform, and all of a sudden, people start coming up to me with $100 handshakes or putting money in my coat pocket. Um, Val goes to the restroom, and a widow pastor's wife puts five $100 bills in her hand and our PayPal account, I'm getting emails, you know, people are giving. And, um, so I guess you can kind of imagine by the next Wednesday night, the next night when I got off the platform, I was repentant <laughs> and I was apologizing to the Lord with, with tears that I, I, I knew you could do it, Lord. <laughs> I just had a little trust bust, a little faith bust, and so I was pretty excited about the $2,500, but that God didn't end there, and so, you know, God always exceeds our expectations. However, he says, you know, according to what we ask or think, so you got to start with something, and so people kept giving, and so by the end of the week, Saturday, by the time we got back to our house, uh, people had given $7,500 for our future missions trips. To God be the glory. And I said all that because that's a testimony that I have. And it really was so, it was very profound to me personally. And um, it was one of those kind of um, bellwether, high water marks or something that it's like, I'm going to cling to this. And when I'm questioning or wondering or curious, I'm going to go back to this moment and remember that in that moment of uncertainty for me, 
God didn't just do what I asked him to do, but he did three times what I asked him to do because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that worketh in us. I want you just to stand with me because I know many of you, you can relate in your own life, in your own family to God providing for you. Would you just thank him right now? Would you just lift up your voice in gratitude to the Lord? Jesus, you've been so good to every one of us. We are so grateful today, Lord. We're starting this new year, Lord, with gratefulness, thankfulness, Lord, for all of your goodness in everything you said to give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And today, God, we're starting this new year. Thankful for everything in our past, Lord. But we're also thanking you by faith, Lord, for the great harvest, the great multiplication, the great increase, the great growth that's coming to every person in this congregation, Lord, and to this church family, Lord. You're going to add. You're going to multiply, Lord. You're going to bring people into the kingdom. And you've called us all together for such a time time as this, we thank you and give you glory today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of John chapter 4. I'll be reading verse 39. Again, we're just thrilled to be here with all of you and all of your smiling faces. Everybody say smiling. It's hard to say smiling and frown at the same time, by the way. It just kind of, it just changes the, the posture of your mouth. And I'll just stop there. So John 4 and 39, a very familiar passage. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, Jesus, for the saying of the woman, the woman at the well, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. And just for a few short moments today, this afternoon, I want to speak on the subject, testimony. Everybody say testimony. You've got a testimony. And you want to make sure you're sharing your testimony. Why don't you just raise your hands and let's ask the Lord to speak to us, to inspire us today. Jesus, we're thankful. You're so good and we feel you in the house today, God. We know that you're here in a very mighty way. You said where two or three are gathered together in your name, you'd be in our midst And we feel your presence. We know that you're here. Your miracle power is present in this room, Lord. Your power is present to heal, to save, to deliver, to provide, Lord. Whatever that we need today, we know that you are able and you are present to do it. I'm just asking you today to honor your word, Lord. Confirm your word today with signs following God and inspire every one of us, our faith and trust in you that it could move mountains. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Everybody loves to hear a good story. There's something about a good story. It piques our interest. It holds our attention. It causes us to laugh, or sometimes it causes us to cry. creates a mental picture of something in our minds. And sometimes it's the easiest way for information to be transmitted. Of course, we all know that Jesus was the master storyteller. And he it was really the way his ministry method of telling stories, short stories, we call, and the Bible calls them parables. 
illustrations. He would be teaching deep concepts or principles of Scripture that might be challenging to understand. And then he would say, a sower went forth to sow. Or a shepherd that had a hundred sheep and one of them left the fold. And he would use these stories, these illustrations, to emphasize a point. And we understand the point now because of the story that is associated with it. And every person in this room today, you have a testimony. As a matter of fact, you have more than one testimony. You've got hundreds of testimonies, actually. Some of you may have thousands of testimonies of things that Jesus Christ has done for you that you should and by faith are thankful for, and you're sharing those stories. Most of us in this room, we have a new birth story, our salvation story of where we were when Jesus found us and how we came to a knowledge and then an experience of truth and how we were born again of water and spirit, baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. Anybody remember that moment? Anybody remember how you felt when you came out of the water? I still remember it. June 28, 19, you ready? 70. Yeah, a long couple days ago. Yeah, I was just a babe when it happened. When I came out of the water, I felt so clean and just lighter than air because Jesus Christ had washed away all of my sins. And then, and then remember how you felt when you began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance? God giving you that initial sign that He had come and taken residence in your life as you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I remember it well at campgrounds, June 22nd. 1970, and, and that's a story that I don't ever want to get old. I don't want it to get rusty or dusty or mildewed. I need to be sharing that story because every time I share that story, something happens to me. Not just the hearer, not just the receiver of my testimony, but I'm more thankful. I'm more grateful. I realize how blessed I am every time I share that story. And in addition to that, we've also got other testimonies. I just shared with you a testimony of God's divine provision for my family and I just from a couple of months ago. And, and I've got hundreds more to share. I just don't have the time today of God providing. How many of you have those kind of testimonies about Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides for us? And then we've got other testimonies as well about about. Jehovah, the one who heals us. Anybody got a healing testimony? How God healed your body. You were sick and maybe God healed you of, of a disease or a sickness. And many, many times we've got those stories and, and just story after story. And, and many of us in this room, God has delivered us from things. Things that were bondage, things that were habits or vices or things that had us bound, addictions. And yet when the Holy Ghost came and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we've got those stories. And, and I've come today on this first Sunday of the year to challenge Chelsea Church. You've got to tell those stories. There are people in this community that need to hear your story. And when you share those stories, they will come here and they will get their own testimony. They'll experience their own salvation, their own new birth experience because of the power of your spoken testimony. Testimonies are powerful. 
They are so powerful, and it's one of the most powerful things that you possess. And in this very skeptical world that we live in today, that is so anti-Christian and postmodern society, your testimony might be one of your most powerful tools to reach lost people. People who maybe don't even believe in the Bible or don't even believe in God and maybe have given up on those things. But you are a walking, talking miracle. You are a walking, talking witness of the goodness and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And didn't he tell us in Acts chapter 1, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. We're to be witnesses. Now, we know what, how it goes down in a courtroom. There's a place where the judge sits, and usually on one side or the other, there's a witness stand, we call it. And there's someone, and you don't go to school to be a witness. You don't have to be educated or schooled. You just get asked to come, and you sit there, and someone asks you questions, and you simply tell what you've seen, heard, and experienced firsthand. And the same is really true with us. We're on the witness stand every day of our lives in this community. The world is our witness stand, and, and we are demonstrating the goodness and mercy of God, and we're sharing what God has done for us with that joy unspeakable and full of glory, with that heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. God has been so good to me. I need to let everybody know there really is a God that loves people, that will reach way down for people. How do I know? Because I'm standing here today. There's a God that provides and cares and protects and gives hope and purpose. How do I know? Because I'm a living testimony of the goodness and mercy of God. And you are too. And so we've got to share that. We've got to tell people the goodness of our God. Now, 2 Corinthians tells us, chapter 1 and verse 4, that this is the way God wants to use us. Paul writes and says, he comforts us in all of our tribulation. Aren't you thankful for that? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. In other words, people that are going through things that are similar to what we've already gone through. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Do you know that God never wastes a hurt? And I'm really thankful for that. And there's some hurts I really want him to take care of. How about you? There's some things in my life that I really want him to redeem. And one of the ways he can redeem them is when I testify to someone. It's when I tell someone, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're not even going to believe this. But seven years ago, this is where I was. Ten years ago, I was in a similar situation. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me. And I'm living proof to tell you, I'm going to pray with you. Here, grab my hand right now. We're going to believe God's going to bring you through this. God's going to heal your person. God's going to deliver. God's going to come through for you because I know he did it for me. And God has put me in their pathway. Just like he puts you in people's pathway. With his GPS, he dispatches us. And sometimes we can't figure out, why am I going here today? This wasn't my plan at all. And then all of a sudden, if we'll be sensitive, 
we'll all of a sudden realize somebody comes across our path. And they're telling us their story of woe many times. What's going on in their world? And as they're saying it, if we're sensitive, we'll realize, I get it now. I've been dispatched by heaven to this person so I can comfort them with my testimony because we have more in common than it seems like. And I'm a walking, talking, living testimony that Jesus Christ is alive and well and that he's no respecter of persons. And don't you just love it when that happens? When all of a sudden you realize it, and I really believe that if we'll be sensitive and pray every day, when we start our day, Lord, who are you going to lead me to today? What story do I get to share today? What testimony do I get to, to share with someone to encourage them and let them know today? Because our testimony, it's a bridge between us and people to share the goodness and mercy and ultimately the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the woman at the well. What a story, right? John chapter 4. First of all, her day was kind of similar to our day because there's a lot of prejudice. There's a lot of racial prejudices and biases in her day, just like there is in our day. Matter of fact, it was so strong, the disciples, Jesus says, hey guys, we're going through Samaria. And you know what the guys say? No, we're not. Jesus, bad idea. What are you thinking? You know. We're Jews. We take the loop around the long way so we don't have to go and have to, any dealings with those stinking Samaritans because there was such hatred and bitterness between the Jews and Samaritans. And so Jesus realizes the disciples, they're just going to be a downer. They're, they're not going to help this project at all. So Jesus dispatches them and says, hey, guys, how about you go into lunch, town and get lunch? Now, these are the spiritual guys Jesus chose. Keep that in mind. To change the world and turn it upside down, yes. And so Jesus ditches them. He goes to the well because he knows this lady's going to show up. And he knows she's going to show up at a time that nobody else is there because she is shamed by the community. Because her five past marriages, the person she's living with now, the times she can't come to the well when all the other ladies in town come to well, or there's going to be a cat fight going down. It's going to be a bad situation. And so Jesus has this all planned out. He's sitting by the well. She shows up. She's surprised he's there. She's surprised when he, being a Jew, starts a conversation with her and asks her for a drink, and she says, you didn't bring your Yeti. You didn't bring anything to put your, put your water in. And then Jesus goes on to share with her that if she knew who she was talking to, she would be asking him for a drink, and he would give her living water where she'd never thirst again. And the conversation continues, and the more that Jesus speaks to this woman that no one else wants to speak to, she begins to realize this is not just some ordinary person showing up at the well. This is a godly man. This is a man of faith. This is a, a prophet. This is the Messiah. And she gets a revelation, and something happens to her at the well. There's some kind of transformation that takes place at the well. 
at, while this is all going down, the disciples show back up with their bags from McDonald's. And when they get and they see that Jesus is talking to this lady, they're just shaking their heads, I just imagine. We knew better than to leave him by himself. He needed us and we trusted him that he wouldn't get into trouble. And looky here. Wonder what's going on. She's so excited about what's happened at the well, she runs back into the city, tells everybody she comes in contact with, come, see a man who told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And the Bible records the crowds came out from the city and they came to hear Jesus because of the testimony of this one woman. And there was great revival and harvest because of this one woman, and I believe this was the seedbed for the Samaritan revival in Acts chapter 8, starting here in John chapter 3, started by, of all people, this woman that people in town can't even stand. What a testimony. And yet all she did was, come see a man who told me all things ever I did, but there was something about her testimony it was so powerful. And there are people in this very room today, you've got a testimony too. And your testimony is probably more powerful than you give it credit for. Probably more powerful and impactful than you even realize. Our world is hurting. They're thirsty. They're needing hope. They're needing to find out that Jesus really is alive. He's not just a dead God of history, but he's a God who's alive and well and still blessing people on a daily basis, 24-7. And you and I are living proof. It's the power of your testimony. And then just five chapters later, there's the blind man. He's been blind from birth, sitting out begging. Disciples roll into town with Jesus. They see the blind man. They ask the obvious question. You know, by the way, we want to blame somebody for everything, right? It just makes us feel better if there really is a reason. So they see the blind man and the disciples say, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents? And Jesus surprises them all when he says, Neither. What? But that the works of God might be made manifest in him. And Jesus prays for him. He gives him the gift of sight. He heals him of this dreaded disease of blindness. What a testimony, right? Instantly, the religious leaders, they're not happy about it. They call him on the carpet. Who did this? What did they say? What did they call over you? What's the person's name? And... This guy, he's kind of clueless. Just read the account in the Bible. He doesn't really know who Jesus is. He's not a follower of Jesus yet. And finally, he gets tired of all their questions, and he just says, stop it. One thing I know, once I was blind, now I see. Can I tell you, it's not complicated to have a testimony. You don't have to study up about it. Just say what you know. One thing I know, once I was blind and now I see. And for most of us in this room, that's our story, right? Just in one summary sentence. Once we were blind, but now we see. Once we were lost, but now we're found. Once we were failing, but today we are victorious in Christ Jesus who maketh us to triumph always. Hallelujah. It's the power of our testimony and 
We don't even know how many people came to a knowledge and experience of Jesus Christ through the blind man, but it was important enough that the writers recorded it for us. And I think there's this little side note here as well. Have you ever wondered why your life is like it is? You know, there's a lot of things about life we don't get to choose, right? Maybe you were born with some kind of illness or ailment or impairment or someone in your family and and it's always bothered you and maybe you've asked the Lord that question, Lord, I don't understand. What's this all about? Don't you think the blind man had the same question? Lord, why was I born blind? But Jesus lets us know that blind man was born blind for that particular day. He was custom made for that moment so he could be a living testimony. And maybe the issues that you have, situations in your life, it's just a matter of days before Jesus is going to turn it around and it's going to be your story. It's going to be your testimony. People are going to hear about what Jesus did for you, about the thing that you can can't even understand, but he wants to get glory out of your life. He wants to redeem your pain. He wants to reclaim your past. Now, recently, Jesus really scolded me. You ever been scolded by Jesus? It's not very fun, frankly, about a testimony. Val and I were at the chiropractor. Her name's Dr. K, and we're, we're getting adjusted, and uh, we're having a conversation. She's a talker, so she's, she talks just about all the time during the time. And she, wonderful, wonderful lady. We love her. And, um, and so we're getting adjusted. It's probably our third or fourth appointment to visit. And it's just like the Lord just spoke a little word in my ear and said, you never told her that I healed you. And it, it, it caught me by such surprise that I actually interrupted her, <laughs> her conversation, because it was like, Oh, my. And I said, Dr. K, I just realized, you like that? <laughs> I just realized, I forgot to tell you that Jesus healed me of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was 16 years of age. She said, no, you never told me that. And I said, oh, yeah, when I was 15, I started having a lot of pain in my knees and my back. And my parents took me to the doctor who sent me to another doctor and another doctor. And finally, I wind up at McBride Clinic Bone and Joint Hospital in Oklahoma City. And we're in the office of the number one arthritis specialist in Oklahoma by the name of John Blaschke. And he tells my mom and dad, I am so sorry to tell you this, but your 16-year-old son has juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Now, if you know anything about arthritis, that's like a death warrant. It means you're going to have a miserable life. You're going to be in pain, and there are no cures. You're going to be painful. You're going to be miserable. Ultimately, you're just going to be all crippled up and not be able to do anything. And and he said, I'm so sorry because your son is so young. We can't even give him the meds he needs for pain because they're all narcotics. And he's, he's, he's so young. And so I started taking meds and still dealing with the pain and um, just like, okay, I guess this is my lot in life, uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And so I'm senior year of high school. I felt like when I was younger, the Lord had told me that I was supposed to go to Bible college, specifically to Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so high school, I graduate. Um, I'm making plans to go to Minnesota. And, and all of my aunties, they start telling my mom, Patty? You cannot let Ricky go to Minnesota because everybody knows that rheumatoid arthritis and cold, cold weather, 
That's not a good mix. He's going to be in such pain all the time. And I mean, they are really painting it up. And in the flesh, they were exactly right. Because it really is true. And so, so I'm having to consider all this as well. But it's like, no, I know that I was supposed to go. And this is the place I'm supposed to go. And they're trying to get me in a tropical climate for Bible college. And it's like, no, I know I'm supposed to go there. And, and so I go. And I'm there for a couple of months. And one day my mom calls and said, hey, I haven't heard you say anything about your pain. I haven't heard you say anything about your juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. It's like, well, you know, I haven't even thought about it since I got here. And I realized Jesus had healed me. Juvenile rheumatoid arthritis that was documented by the number one arthritis guy in Oklahoma. But I took the step of faith and went to Bible college and God healed me. And so I'm looking at my chiropractor and she said, you know, Ricky, if you had not told me that, I would not have known that from your x-rays. Why? Because when God heals you, he covers it all up. He makes it as if it never happened before. I'm talking about a God who heals, saves, and delivers, and gives us testimonies. And I'm going to tell you that since that day in the chiropractor's office, I've told that story quite a few times. Because I don't really like getting scolded by the Lord. One. But more than that, every time I tell it, it does more good for me than it does for the people I'm telling. Because it reminds me, I'm the apple of his eye, and you are too. It reminds me, he loves me more than anything else. He created me, and he wants to get glory out of my life, out of my good times and my bad times as well. And, and it blesses me so much because it's my testimony. What's so important about your testimony? Well, first of all, it's unique. No one has a story quite like yours. Yours is different. Yours is unique. And if you don't tell it, it's going to die. If you don't tell it, the world's never going to know. It's personal. It's easy to understand a personal story. And, and you're the authority on your story. You know, if Dr. K had said, Ricky, I don't believe that happened. Well, there would have been a little discussion Heated discussion at the chiropractor. It's like, wait a second, I'm the expert here. My body. I live this. I know for a fact. And so you are the expert on your testimony. You can speak with great authority. You may not understand all the intricacies of the Greek and Hebrew languages of the Bible, but you know what Jesus did for you. You know how you felt when it was happening and what was going on in your world before and after it. And so we've got to tell those stories because people relate to our stories and it builds a relational bridge between us and people that we're trying to reach. When we share our testimonies. Testimonies are so powerful. Of course, there's really four parts to your testimony, the before Christ or before something happened. And you spend the least amount of time on that because we're not giving glory to the devil. Amen. And then secondly, when I realized I had a need, maybe I reached rock bottom or, or just ran into the wall, so to speak, and realized something's got to change. And then finally, my conversion story, and you want to spend more time on this, telling about how it was when Jesus healed you, saved you, delivered you, changed you, and, and about the power of God. Because as you're telling that, you're giving glory to God. You're testifying of His goodness. You're, you're living the living testimony, but you're giving the spoken testimony. As you're narrating, and then, and then finally the 
after conversion, this is what my life has been like since Jesus touched me and since Jesus changed me. You know, when I think of scholars in the Bible, I think everyone would agree that the, the number one scholar of the New Testament was Paul. I mean, this is the guy with all the, the diplomas on the wall, all the citations, because he was Mr. Who's Who. As far as being educated in the ways of the Jews, Pharisee, the Pharisees, and he goes through, of course, and lists all of his qualifications, his little bio there. But it's interesting to me that here's the guy smarter than the smartest people, and when he's talking to people, whether they're kings, whether they're governors, whether they're common people, or whether they're philosophers and highly intelligent and intellectual people, instead of him trying to argue with them about Scripture and understanding of the text and the manuscripts, he goes back to Acts chapter 9. I was on the road to Damascus with letters in my hand to persecute the church and the people that were in the, what was called, the way. And he, he was so convinced that he was doing the right thing. And there as he's telling his story, and then suddenly a, a bright light from heaven shone down brighter than the noonday sun, and I fell to the ground blinded, couldn't see anything, and, and I hear a voice from heaven thundering that says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I said, what? Who? Who is this? Again, Saul thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing the Lord a favor. He thought he was fighting heresy and heretics. Who are you, Lord? And the Lord thundered back and said, I am Jesus. And can I tell you, anytime anybody asks the Lord to identify himself, he will certainly identify himself, just as he did in Acts chapter 9 to Saul of Tarsus. And so Saul goes into the city, and of course, ultimately, Ananias lays hands on him. He receives the Holy Ghost and receives his side. And at least six times in the book of Acts, we find Paul, the great missionary, the intellectual, telling the simple story of his conversion. His Acts chapter 9 road to Damascus story. I think he understood something that I'm trying to express to us today. Your powerful is way more, your testimony is way more powerful than you think it is. It's way more impactful, just your personal story. You may not get it all right. Your English may not be perfect and all be just so prim and proper, but as you tell your story, and as you've prayed, Lord, as I'm sharing my testimony, I pray that somehow it's going to relate to people, that I'm going to say something that's going to tug at their heart. I'm going to say something, Lord, that's dropping a seed and trusting there's good ground, and that seed is ultimately going to produce fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold, because it's the power of our story. We've got a story. The only thing Satan can do is try to talk us out of sharing it. He's pretty good at that, by the way. You know what he says? Don't tell that old rundown story again. People are tired of hearing it. The other thing he tells us is, you're looking pretty good now. You're looking pretty all churchy and righteous and holy. Don't tell them that you used to be a scumbag. 
Don't tell them that you got a prison record. Don't tell them the things you used to take great pride and joy in. You'll just shame yourself. But you know what? That's your testimony. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't be too proud to tell your story that this is what I was. This is before Christ, before conversion. But this is after Christ, after conversion. Jesus Christ can change me. He can change anybody. Because it's the power of the Holy Ghost. We've all got a testimony, and we shouldn't be too proud. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, Paul says, Don't you know the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom? Be not deceived. And then he goes through this whole litany list of sins and sinful people. And if we would all be honest today, you're going to find yourself probably in one of this, in this list someplace. Maybe several times. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. None of these people are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Period. That's a bummer verse, isn't it? That's depressing. But the next verse, and such were some of you. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified by the name of the Lord Jesus, by the Spirit of our God. Hey, that's us, right? Be honest today. My hand's up. That's me. I'm in that list, but God is merciful, and God is so just, and God is so kind, and God reached for me over and over again, and here I am today striving to be like Him, striving to help someone else get in the kingdom, striving to grow the kingdom and grow the church through my testimony. Let me bring this to a close. Revelation. Chapter 12 and verse 11 tells the value of your testimony. It says this, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you glad for the blood of the Lamb? That's applied to our lives through water baptism in Jesus' name. And, everybody say and. The word of their testimony. How do you overcome the enemy? How do you resist temptation? How do you push him aside and say, leave me alone? Don't you know I'm a child of God? Let me tell you some testimonies. Let me put it back in your face, enemy. The accuser of the brethren. I'm valuable. He's invested a lot in me. He's healed me. He's saved me. He's delivered me. He's provided for me. He's done all this stuff for me. He says we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. Which means every time I think about my testimony, every time I share my testimony, it's giving me power over the enemy. It's putting the enemy under my feet. It's putting me in a place where I am a blood-bought child of God. And I will be victorious. When I fall, I shall arise. Hallelujah. Yes, we're human. Yes, we make mistakes. But we get back up because we've got a testimony. We know the goodness and power and mercy of our God. And he's so good to us. Would you stand? I believe that meditating on our testimonies, it's the antidote to backsliding. Do you know when people backslide? When they forget. It's true. 
They start forgetting where God brought them from. They start forgetting the goodness of God. They start forgetting all the stories of how God came through for them in those crisis moments. And so we've got to refresh those testimonies. We've got to keep them ready so that when God puts us in front of that person, we're ready to share it and to share it with passion and enthusiasm like it happened yesterday even though it might have been 20 or 30 years before. Because what we're doing is we're giving glory to Jesus through our testimony. Perhaps one reason that I'm so passionate about testimonies is because I wouldn't be standing here today if not for the testimony of a 12-year-old boy. A 12-year-old boy by the name of Ricky Hollis. Ricky was a newspaper boy who worked for my father. My father was about mid-30s, and Ricky was one of the about a dozen newspaper boys that worked for my dad. And Ricky was full of the Holy Ghost, 12 years of age. Ricky didn't know everything about the Bible, but he had a testimony. And this is what he would tell my dad. Mr. Hughes, you just got to come to my church. Mr. Hughes, if you would come to my church... Jesus will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Mr. Hughes, if you come to my church, Jesus filled with you with the Holy Ghost, he would give you joy. My dad wasn't the happiest guy on the planet. Mr. Hughes, if you come to my church, Jesus would fill you with the Holy Ghost, and he would set you free from some obvious addictions and bondage in your life that were pretty obvious, even to a 12-year-old boy. And there was something about that 12-year-old boy's testimony, about what God had done for Ricky, and his family and the way God had put his family his mom and dad back together and brought them into the church that Richard decided he should be checking out that church he started visiting the Pentecostal church after a while my mom Patty she's trying to figure out why Richard's going to church because he won't go to her denominal church and so she starts going to figure out what's going on here and when she gets there it's totally different than anything she's ever heard what she's been taught is a good Christian in her church. And as she's trying to find what's wrong with this, God gives her a revelation that it's true. And he led her into more truth. And here I am today, 55 years later, I'm the product of someone's testimony. And all of my testimonies are because of that 12-year-old boy testifying to my dad. You can't tell me testimonies don't work. You can't tell me that testimonies are one of the greatest outreach and evangelism tools that are available to everybody in this room because I am living proof. I'm the product of that. And Jesus wants to use every one of us today to grow this church this year. Yes, the word is multiply. How's he going to do it? Through us. Through you and the person next to you. As you share your story. And eventually as you share those testimonies, they'll be asking for a Bible study. Then they'll be wanting to come to church. Then they'll be wanting to visit with pastor to see when they get baptized. Then God will fill them with the Holy Ghost. They'll go through discipleship. They'll start ushering. They'll start singing. They'll start working on the keys. They'll start participating in the kingdom. And they'll start telling their story. And the cycle will continue. And the church will grow. That's what discipleship really is all about anyway. Us duplicating ourselves in the kingdom of God.
So this is what I believe Jesus wants to do before we leave today. Really two things. First of all is that we would leave here with a greater appreciation of the power of our testimonies. And that we would leave making a commitment to the Lord. Just like I did that day at the chiropractor office. Jesus, I'm going to do better. You're going to see. I'm going to share this story until people are tired of hearing about it. Until they say, oh, is that your juvenile rheumatoid arthritis story again? And I'll say, "Ah, how did you guess? Give me five minutes. I'll give you the short version today, okay? So first of all, that we would have a greater appreciation. But secondly, maybe you're here today and you need a testimony today. You need Jesus to do something for you. Well, we've looked at biblical examples today. I've shared stories from my own life that are real life stories, modern day stories of Jesus' healing power, of His power to provide, and His saving power. And I say that to tell you, He's still in the business of saving. He's still in the business of healing. He's still in the business of delivering and he can give you a testimony today because there's faith working in the room today. I wonder if you just step out of your seat right now. If you'd make your way somewhere near the front and throw your hands in the air and say, Lord, I'm grateful. Lord, I'm thankful. Lord, I'm going to dedicate myself on this the first Sunday of 2024. I'm going to share that story. I'm going to tell it, Lord. I'm going to get better at telling it. I'm getting over my shyness and my backwardness, Lord, because I really just want to give glory to you. I want to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Let the praises roll from your lips right now. Oh, Jesus, you're so good to me. I thank you for every blessing. I thank you for every answered prayer. I thank you for every time that you've delivered my family from trouble and danger. You've been so good to me. You've been so faithful, Lord. You've never let me down. Even when I didn't deserve you, Lord, you've always been faithful. And I'm just thankful today, Lord. Lord, I want Thanksgiving to come out of my lips today. Baptize me at the beginning of this new year with a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving. I appreciate you, Lord. I appreciate the things you've done for me. I appreciate you honoring your promises in your word in my life. And I'm just grateful today. Come on, somebody, lift up your voice right now. Because as you're thanking him, faith is rising in the room. As you're giving him glory, it's creating an atmosphere where he can continue to do more miracles in your life and in your family and in your home. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let the praises roll. Hallelujah. Something's happening in the atmosphere right now as you're giving Him glory, as you're honoring Him for His goodness to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus' name, we thank You, Lord. Lord, we're filling this sanctuary with thanksgiving today. We're filling this sanctuary, Lord, with praise and worship for Your goodness to us. 
We magnify you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody just put your hands together right now. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise right now. You alone are worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus is here right now to give someone a testimony. If you're in this room today and you, you, there's something you need from the Lord today, don't be embarrassed. Just raise your hand. Let Him know. Lord, there's some things I need from you today. I've got some prayer requests that need to be answered today. Raise that hand high. And now we're going to pray together, all of us together. And God is going to release faith in this room. And He's going to release miracles in this house. Hallelujah. And somebody's going to get a miracle right now. Somebody's prayer is going to be answered today before we dismiss in a few minutes and go eat lunch. Come on, somebody. Lift those hands to heaven. Tell the Lord. Declare what you need from the Lord. Lord, I'm declaring my miracle today. I'm declaring my healing today. I'm declaring my lost loved ones, Lord. They're back in the family. They're back in the fold. Lord, I believe in you today, God, for my financial miracle, for the miracle in my family. God, I'm believing you right now, Lord, that you're delivering me from bondage and addiction. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Jesus is moving right now. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, come on. If you can pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, receive your miracle. Embrace it today. Yes, I claim it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm embracing my healing. I'm embracing my miracle. I'm embracing the divine provision, God. I'm embracing my salvation today. If you need the Holy Ghost, you can have the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. Whatever you have need of from the Lord. Oh, he wants to start this year off right. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, say to God, cry out to the Lord right now. Oh, something's changing in the atmosphere right now. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus is working. Jesus is moving. He's walking in between these aisles. Hallelujah. Receive your miracle right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. By the power and authority of the Word of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, receive your miracle right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Begin to clap to the Lord right now. Lord, I receive my miracle. I receive my healing. I receive my deliverance, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I've got to believe that Jesus touched some lives today. I've got to believe there's some people that you may not recognize it just yet. But by the time you get back to the next service, you're going to have a testimony. You're going to be calling up pastor and first lady and saying, you know what? This is what I prayed for on Sunday morning at the end of the service. And as the week has gone on, the last couple of days, I realize Jesus answered my prayer. I realize Jesus gave me a testimony. 
And then you're going to share that story until people are tired of hearing it. Because every time you do it, you're giving glory to Jesus. And it's making you more grateful for all of his goodness. As pastor comes back, why don't we put our hands together and just thank him for what he has done and what he is doing at Chelsea Church today. Praise the Lord. This sounds bad, but I'm going to say it anyways. <clears throat> I was thinking today as Brother Hughes was preaching when I went to college just two months after I received the Holy Ghost, the excitement in my life, not knowing anything. <laughs> I think I need to, <clears throat> when I say dumb down my testimony, I mean I need to quit using scriptures until later when I can teach it to them. And I just need to let them know what God has done in my life. And you just look back at those days and, and try to figure out how it, how it could not be the same today, how you let that slip. It's not slipping. It's just realizing today that we've got to keep our testimony, uh, the witness that we have of what truly happened. That's what's got to be the main thing in our testimony. Not how much we know. Not who we know. Not how long we've been in church. Not even if our church is better than their church. It's about the witness that we have of what we saw, what we experienced. Amen. Thank you so much for the Hughes. Sister Hughes, amen. I'm going to try to smile more. Amen. And I'm so thankful for the Lord today. Wasn't this good? I, we have um, all these things. The, the snack chat is always just an audio. It's, we don't, it's not with a camera, but we have that online if you ever want to hear what goes on in one of our snack chat lessons. That was so good today. Um, that, was, that was awesome. And then, and then, of course, all of this is on video here, and uh, you can go back and, and share it with someone else or go through it again, whatever you want to do. But we are so thankful for, um, I didn't have to worry about how many people were here or how many didn't show up today because I know it's all on video. <laughs> Amen. I'll just tell them to read the book, or to, to watch, the, watch the clip. Amen. And uh, trust that God will help them. We, the power of the church is what we experience together. When we come into this place and begin to worship God together, that is different than when I try to worship God at home. When we come here together and we, and we have like precious faith and we have one focus, amen, we have a testimony of our church also, amen. And I, I want to share that this year. I want to let, make sure people know this is the greatest secret in town and I want people to know about the Chelsea Church. God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful day. Can't wait to see you Wednesday night and uh, looking forward. And so um, I'll be talking to you about the dates and one more time we'll get them on our screen for our, uh, our Saturday that we're going to have for prayer. And I'm looking forward to making that a big deal. Amen? And really taking and doing a good job with that. And I'm looking forward to that. Amen. And um, have a great week. And we'll see you all, Lord willing, Wednesday and the next Sunday. God bless you.